We cover our bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch where it take us Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our response is amazing Our bases covered, yeah Yeah, you know you love it, our thoughts, they be off of the dome First to the second, the topics, they change like the weather Then you know we bringing it home We cover our bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch how we shine Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our responses be prime Our bases covered, Woo. Yeah, you know you love it, no limits to where we can go So do grab a seat Oh no, this ain't MLB, but you know it's time for the show All bases covered, my brothers, yeah, you know you love it We get it, yeah, we going in Yeah, we be focused like this is the bottom of night, baby You know we ready to win Sports and pop culture, we cover those things that we supposed to We knocking it out of the park All bases covered, no end in the topic that say to the culture We sending the spark We cover yeah. all bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch where it take us Cultural topic <clears throat> Welcome to the All Basis Cover podcast. We're uh, sadly back here on Blog Talk Network still um, as we work things out for the <laughs> transition. Uh, I feel like that uh, quote, the uh, I just can't quit you. Um, we're trying to leave, but uh, we're still here for the time being. Good so luck. it is what it is. <laughs> uh, Sam is going to be late today. Uh, we got our producer Joe on on board here. Uh, Josh is not here yet either today, so we're uh, the two man crew right now. Um, obviously, over the weekend we had the Super Bowl. There was a lot that went down. Um, really, one of the better games up until the end that we had seen. But man, it's just there's a lot to dive into today. So. Um, you know, I don't want to uh, – I guess we can get started, Joe, um, while we wait for everybody else to kind of show up and, and straggle in here. But it's hard for me on that final call. Let's start there. It's hard for me to say, like, you you throw the flag there. And I get it. There was definite – holding there. So I guess the difference is they call defensive holding, not defensive pass interference. So with a defensive holding call, it does not matter if the ball is thrown 15 feet away from the receiver. If they're being held on the play, they're going to, that's what they called. And it was clear holding. And to a lot of, you know, analysts points, you can't decide when you're going to call it, even though, you know, even if the timing is bad. But, man, it just sucks to lose the game like that. Well, and I agree with you. Like, the, the call, I mean, it, it was it holding. Like, even the defender came out and was like, yeah, I held it. Like, but yeah. was that the only bad call? No. Like, and then even, like, you know, I'm a Bengals fan, but, like, even going back to the AFC Championship game, conveniently, you know, they call, they see this holding, but they don't see the uh, Kansas City Chiefs holding our defenders, uh, basically raping them on the field, uh, you know, for any call. They don't call that. You know, they don't see that. Uh, But even going back to, I think it was the first quarter uh, when – uh, what was the Philadelphia's player, Wilson, I think his name, or uh, I'm bad with names, but uh, he caught a, uh, was it 35 or 40-yard um, reception, two feet inbounds, hits the ground. The ground, I mean, going down, the ball hits the ground, but he still got possession. Hits the ball uh, ground, maintains uh, possession of it all the way through, gets up, has the ball in his hands, they go back and review it, and it takes them a fucking hour to review it, and then they come back and go, oh, over, overturned. And even the announcers were like, uh, I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn that. Yeah, that was the Devontae Smith catch. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, those plays, I, I'll i be honest, I saw the ball on the Devontae Smith one. It was hard. I thought it was a catch, but I could see where they ruled it because ball on one of the angles looked like it moved and uh, was moving. 
when he hit the ground and then the ball clearly touched the ground to the point of the ball. Well, but I, it's a touch the ground. Not if it's moving. If you don't have if you don't have possession of the ball, if you do not have clear possession of the ball, so if it's moving around in your arms, even if it doesn't hit the ground, like even if like it's, You're right. if it's in your arms, but it's bob if it's being bobbled, and then it touches right, the, the part right. of it touches the ground. Here, here's the part that kills me: is to overturn a call on the field, there has to be what undeniable. Uh, proof indisputable or evidence. evidence. Yeah. yeah. Tell me there was indisputable evidence. No, there wasn't. So, so I kind of, I'm kind of mixed on that one. That whole call, um, it looked like he pinned the ball to his head, took two steps, went out of bounds. The ball moved. It definitely, when he hit the ground, the ball did definitely move and, and helped catch. But the rules of any kind of reception is if he has control of the ball, which it looked like he pinned it against his helmet, took two steps, yeah. that's a catch. Yeah. So I could see it either way, but to me, I, I think that should have been, that should have stayed as a catch. Um, it, it wasn't like uh, Chase's, Chase's ball, right? Uh, a few weeks ago. Um, right. Where he caught the ball, hit the ground, and the ball moved, and then he returned, uh, regained uh, possession. I mean, I don't know. I, and I agree. I, I, don't, I, think gone both touchdown. I don't think they had enough evidence to overturn it. Right. That's my point is I don't think it should have been overturned. Like, stick to the rule, which is that you've got to have, you know, as ridiculous. Uh, I mean, they tend to they tend to rule these things kind of I, as is. I I get it, and it, it's a, it, it sucks because it probably it might have cost Philly a touchdown. They ended up having to settle for three points because the drive stalled out. But and you know, I I a similar a similar catch by Dallas Goddard on the third and 16 where he ball popped up and then he had to regain possession as he's going out of bounds. You know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of close things that could have gone either way. Um, I, I talked to Josh about this earlier today though. And I think the reason they called holding is because Kansas city had torched Philadelphia twice with similar plays with a fake motion and then Tony or Sky Moore ended up doing a jig route or a zig route uh, where they, they cut and they act like they're going to motion, cut on a dime, went back the other way, and they were wide open for touchdowns with nobody around them. And that looked like what Schuster was about to do when Bradbury held him. And it's, it sucks. Because it basically ended the game. Because right there, if, if if they don't call that, Kansas City's on a fourth and eight. They got to kick a field goal, and you're giving the ball back to to Philadelphia with I believe two timeouts left and a minute thirty to go to get down the field and either try to tie it with a field goal or win it with a touchdown. Uh, but this was this was the third most watched Super Bowl. Uh, of all time with 113 million viewers. Um, I, I mean, the sport, regardless of officiating and and the the people who think that there's a script out there and that, you know, whatever, it's not going down in viewership. I mean, and granted, it helps when you have two number one seeds who were very close matched up you know, and it helps that this game was pretty much close throughout, keep the viewership up. But I mean, no, people aren't going to stop watching football anytime soon. I, I think something tragic, terrible would have to happen for people to start turning off football. And I, I just, I don't think we're ever going to get there. As, as much as I'm upset. Now, with I'll, I'll agree with you on uh, the Dallas Goddard. I, I didn't think that was a catch. That. 
I don't think he had both yeah. feet down once he once he got possession. So that should have resulted in a punt and not a score. So I mean, you take that away from him, and we're not even talking about yeah. that holding call at the end of the game because the game would have been kind of pretty much out of reach at that point, you know. Yeah. Um. As far as uh, viewership, yeah, the NFL ain't going anywhere. Everybody calling for a script. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like certain players and certain teams always get the calls. I mean, how many t- how many times have we seen Tom Brady get barely touched and they call yeah. roughing the passer? It happened against the Chiefs a few years ago. They hit his helmet. They hit his right. helmet with his hand. They called a uh, a penalty on it. Tom Brady ends up going down, kicks a field goal to win the game. That should have never been fucking called. That wasn't fucking roughing the passer. I mean, you yeah. you can barely fucking touch these these quarterbacks anymore. It's like two hand touch with them. Yeah, uh, I, I think they need to come up with a new rule uh, for exactly for that. So like quarterbacks, if you when you start to run, right. And you yeah. you do your slide and somebody hits you. If you slid too late, tough luck. You get hit. Fuck it. That's football. You can't tell a defender that, hey, I need you to stop on a fucking dime, and then try to change your your trajectory to hit them somewhere else or completely stop so you don't hit them at all. That's bullshit. You're not taught that. Yeah. You're not taught how to do that in football. Well, now they're so, trying to – And then, and then even, the one, even like the running backs. Like yeah. you, you want to protect you want to protect these running backs and all these players from uh, lowering the, he- the helmet, right? What's the first thing a running back does when he hits the hole? He lowers his head to get to the hole, right? So he's going head first. But as soon as a cornerback goes head first, they call it. Running backs, they never call it. So I think the NFL competition committee needs to look into that this off season and, and fix some of these rules. Well, the other problem also, is also one rule I want to get rid of is they fucking yeah. the quarterbacks running and just throwing it out of bounds. That should be intentional grounding. He's not trying to throw it on the field. I'm sorry. Yeah. that's a bullshit. But he's out of by pocket, a, man. He's out I, of I pocket, understand he's dude. out of yeah. pocket. Keep the ball in the field is what I'm saying. If you throw a pick, no. that's your fault. Sorry. I don't like the whole no. throwing out of the field bullshit. I think that's – I don't know. I think that's fine. To me, the other concerning thing is that they want to ban the one tackle, uh, a runner from behind, and they kind of pull down on pull down on them, like wrapped around their legs and kind of pull them down trying to get the stop. Uh, basically, the tackle that you saw Mahomes – injures ankle against uh, Jacksonville on, and then where Tony Pollard yeah. broke his ankle. That's to me, you can't outlaw that tackle because it's not a dirty tackle. They're trying desperately to pull someone down who's fighting, and then someone's legs get caught bent awkwardly. Yeah, it sucks, but it's fucking part of the game. Well, that and, I mean, they already had adjusted it because they got rid of the horse collar. You know, you can't yeah, horse collar. Right. So it's like, you know, I get horse collar. You don't want to, because now you're you're pulling down, you know, I get it. But like you said, like a tackle from like behind like that, like you can't ban that. Like, right. The next thing you're going to be like is run up behind the quarterback and go. Yeah, I, mean, well, I, I think that's, I think that's where football will, can start hurting is if they start yeah. doing a lot of these rules. Because you're hurting the product on the field. You're you're basically yeah. allowing the quarterback to not get hit, not get touched, just be free reign, and it's just not football. That's why yeah. we had like, the, if the, the inaugural, if the quarterback wants uh, to run like a like fucking football, uh, pro, like football game for pro uh, or the yeah, pro ball today. I'm sorry. If if the if the quarterback wants to run and escape the pocket, he's a fucking running back. He's a receiver. He should be able to get fucking blown up. Fuck the fuck him sliding. He's out there running. Let him fucking take a hit like every other player does. Damn, any thoughts? You've been pretty quiet since joining, bud. 
No, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, listen to what you guys are saying. I mean, I, I agree with one thing that, you know, you can't, you can't be biased towards certain types of players. And in this scenario, uh, it seems like the, the quarterback is getting extra attention where receivers and running backs may not, you know. And I do, yeah. I do agree with, uh, you know, if you leave the pocket, you go across the line of scrimmage, I don't care if you slide – sit down, kneel, pray, again, you should get blown up, you know. You, it, those are rules. Rules are rules. You're caught, you, you know, you've crossed the line of scrimmage, and you're considering a runner, you're considered a runner, all bets are off at that point. If you, you know, if you have a linebacker chasing you down, I don't know. I, I would hate for a franchise quarterback to get blown up like that, but then you probably shouldn't make that move, right? You know, I think that the game will eventually change. Just, I was going to make a comparison and say that, um, you know, basketball has had ch- rule changes too, and that's resulted in the actual game itself changing, right? So yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, they continue to make these kind of rule changes. The 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 essence of football is going to change, just like it has for basketball already. So um, Jay Glazer just announced. I don't know if you guys saw this. This is about four four p.m. today. That Andy Reid's mulling retirement following the Super Bowl. Now, initially, he thought that he would be back and, and come back for another year, but now that one, obviously, I don't know if you know much about Andy Reid. He had one son die of a heroin overdose, and his other son sitting in prison for the DWI accident that caused uh, a lot of damage to a young girl uh, after the Super Bowl in 2020, or before the Super Bowl in 2020. I. Andy Reid, now, if he calls it a career, guys, where do you rank Andy Reid all-time for coaches? So I heard someone say he's number two all-time. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, where do you, where would you guys put uh, Andy Reid? Top five, I would. Maybe lower end of that, maybe five. And that's being generous um, because there's been a lot of good coaches in the NFL over the years. There has so, been. I mean, I, I. We're talking all time, right, Mike? We're talking all time. All time. We're talking all time. Okay. Yeah. Me yeah, personally, good coaches. Personally, I don't know if you can put them above Belichick, Don Shula, and Bill Walsh. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, he. Sure. I think he's pretty fucking close, honestly, because. I mean, the man's been to 10 AFC, NFC championships. He's been to four Super Bowls, one, yeah. two, lost two. The man's been right there in the thick of everything. Uh, Bill Walsh, yeah, he's got what, five Super Bowl wins, four Super Bowl wins. No, got four. Four, four Super yeah. Bowl wins. So, That's yeah, you times. got you gotta put Belichick. You got to put Belichick as number one, Walsh number two. Shula, he's only won one Super Bowl, and that was just the undefeated team. No. So that, that's how where come, I would, how come I would put Andy Reid number three. What, what, what no, Shula won two Super Bowls. Dude. Shula won, won two Super Bowls and went to like another five. Oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize he went to seven Super Bowls. So yeah, you're probably yeah. right. So I would say four then. And he's also and Don Shula is also the all-time leading. Uh, winner and and wins all time wins leader for head coach for three hundred and twenty eight. Well, I thought uh, I would definitely put Andrew Reid in the top ten. I mean, like you said, Bill Belichick number one, but you also can't forget some of the classics. Vince Lombardi. Yeah, uh, I mean, Alice. Vince Lombardi won technically won five championships, three NFL titles, and two Super Bowls. Uh. And that, you know, and that was because they didn't have the Super Bowl for the first, you know, three. But Lombardi, Don Shula, Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs. No. Yeah. Andy Reid's better than Joe Gibbs. Uh, Well, I'm not saying he's not, but I'm saying Joe Gibbs is in that top ten. I mean, he won. I think Andy Reid's comp is like Jimmy Johnson. And what about Bill Parcells? Bill Parcells has to be up there. He won a couple Super Bowls with the Giants. I don't know. Who did you say his comp is, Sam? 
Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson's a good one. On a loaded squad. On a loaded squad. You know, yeah. won a couple yeah. of Jimmy, rings. But he only he only coached a couple of seasons in Dallas, and then he went to Miami and oh. didn't do anything in Miami, really. That's true. That's kind of. I mean, if you I look at if you look at Andy Reid's career prior to Kansas City, he didn't have any Super Bowl wins on his record. Yeah, he had he had the uh, the, the resume for like you know uh, you know getting there and wins and NFC with the Eagles. I get that, but he didn't have he really didn't have anything until he walked into Kansas City. No, I'm just I'm just going off of, of his being able to make it to the the big game the. The AFC championships, the NFC championships. He's made it to multiple Super Bowls. Yes, he hasn't won all of them, but I mean, just just nowadays, I, I think the NFL is harder now than it was back in the '60s, in the '70s. I, I, I think it's just a lot harder to to make it back, and especially with a lot of these teams. Yeah, but Jimmy that, Johnson wasn't in the '70s and the '60s, though. I know. I don't. I don't consider Jimmy Johnson. One one of the top five. Uh, okay. I, I neither do I, but I'm just saying, like, if I if maybe I were the to top com- 10, do a comparison, but, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'd have to really look at and dive into all the coaches, but yeah. I mean, I I for me personally, if we're just talking more modern era, we're excluding coaches from like the 1930s and 40s, like George Hallis, and we're talking like more of like 1970 to present day. I think you got to put Chuck Knoll up there, who won four Super Bowls with the Steelers. I think you have to have Don Shula and Belichick, and and then of course Andy Reid. Not only has Andy Reid won a couple Super Bowls now, but he's one consistently of of the coaches who have at least a hundred career career wins or more, Andy Reid has one of the highest winning percentages of them all. And you know what's funny, Sam, that you mentioned this. Do you know what his record with Kansas City and his record with Philadelphia is? It's exactly the same. I was gonna say is it identical? And one in his years from 1999 to 2012 with the Eagles, 247, 138, and 1 with the Kansas City Chiefs from 2013 through the 2022 season. So, but the difference is in Kansas City, he's been to three Super Bowls and he's won two. In Philadelphia, he only went to one Super Bowl. Mahomes is a much better quarterback than Donovan McNabb is. So, I don't know. Got to give Andy Reid credit. I maybe top five. Uh, uh, definitely. Does, does Mike Tomlin make he, that list, Mike? Does, does Mike Tomlin make that list? Not top five, man. No, 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 I no. I mean, like five. in the conversation, to as a as a comp to to uh, Andy Reid. Now, maybe, but but Tomlin hasn't really won anything since his first few years in Pittsburgh. He only he went to two Super Bowls. They lost to the Packers, and they beat the Arizona Cardinals. And he hasn't been back since. And frankly, they haven't made an AFC Championship game since 2016, where they lost to the Patriots. So he's not even he's not even getting them to the championship game. Uh, and I, I and look at Pittsburgh's roster right now. Do you think next season or in the next Three to five years, knowing who quarterbacks the AFC. Pittsburgh's going to Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. And they got to beat some of those. They got to beat most of those guys just to get to the AFC Championship game. I don't, I don't, don't know. I don't know. What's that? Because you can't forget about two of them up there too. I don't even know if Tua's ever going to play again, man. He just got out of the concussion protocol. No, he said he's coming. He's going to play. He'll be there. All right. Well, now the question always comes back to you guys: Is the loser of the Super Bowl can they make it back again? Uh, usually, we see some kind of Super Bowl hangover from the team that loses the Super Bowl. 
We didn't really see that with the Bengals as they came back. They finished 12-4, and four and they lost in a, a tight game in the AFC Championship game. But the Eagles are probably going to lose Jason Kelsey. Uh, he's 33 years old, and he might retire, but he's a free agent at the end of this season. They, they got a lot of – they got a handful of other guys that are up for free agents. They, they're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts. Now, the interesting thing about Jalen Hurts is, Sam, you always talk about those fifth-year options. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. There is no fifth-year option for him. So they got to extend him. Yeah, that sucks. It's, it's like yeah. a David Johnson type of scenario where they had to pay him, like, the first three years because he was up for a contract when he was with Arizona. And right. he was a, a later-round pick, too. So Yeah. So can the Eagles make it back next year? Now, NFC isn't very loaded. So, what do you guys think? They're going to lose some guys on defense, too. Like, they're older guys. Fletcher Cox is probably going to be on his way out. Uh, Dominic yeah. Sue is there. He's, he's, he's hitting that wall of, you know, yeah. wanting to play for a contender. So, they're going to lose some of the old dogs, but depends on how they draft as well. So, they could be uh, – that NFC is, is, is uh, an easy division to, to try to get out of. Outside of Dallas, there isn't much – Competition with well, Giants. Giants have been on the up, right? So, yeah. Well, so it, it seems like their entire division is basically their toughest competition, and then the 49ers out west. And then you got to think the Rams are going to be back next year. I don't think the Rams are going to just disappear. I, I think they got several draft picks in the middle rounds in the second and third and fourth rounds this year. I feel like the Rams will have a healthy Matthew Stafford back. They'll get Cooper Cup back. They'll probably find another wide receiver. And I think they're going to be back. But here's a list of the free agents that the Eagles will have to think about paying or retaining. Fletcher Cox, Robert Quinn, Brandon Graham, Tim Kelsey, who's 35, not 33, uh, James Bradbury, um, and Dominican Sue, T.J. Edwards, the linebacker, Miles Sanders, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, so there's some names on there, and obviously the big names are on that defensive line. Uh, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Robert Quinn, and Fletcher Cox, their salaries were all $14 million this past year. I, you know, will Philadelphia will be able to re-sign all those guys? I you know, I'm not sure. And they're getting old, too. Robert Quinn's 33. Fletcher Cox is 32. Brandon Graham is going to be 35 by the time next season rolls around. Uh, Javon Hargrave is 30. So, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting um, to see. But they do have a young offense. But their defense is where we'll see if they take the step back or not. Josh or Sam, any teams in the NFC that you see – that didn't make the playoffs this year, making a run next year. Ooh. I think the Saints, if uh, if they yep. can get a quarterback. Okay, well, uh, it looks like that, that division's gonna be that division's gonna be up for grabs next year. Uh, okay. So, and it, it just looks like they're set up better than the rest of the the teams there. Um. I, I I think Seattle. I don't think Seattle makes it next year. Um, okay. I think Arizona, Arizona um, possibly maybe it, like sneaking in, not not to the playoffs, but like kind of getting a little hot and possibly doing like a, what Seattle did this year. I, I'll tell yeah. you the team I like for next year. That's Detroit. Detroit we said that this has, year, and they sucked balls. They were nine and eight. They were nine and eight. I know they. they didn't suck. I, I I wanted them to make the playoffs, and they they uh they let me down. Well, now not only do you have a team that that started to find its groove the last six seven weeks of the season, they got two first round picks, one in the top ten, two in the top twenty. They they can do a lot there. They can add some really nice pieces to that defense, and all of a sudden. You got Goff, who's playing pretty good. 
You got Jamison Williams now for a full season. You got DJ Chark for, you know, you got DJ Chark. You got a Monroe St. Brown. Uh, you have Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift on that run game. Uh, the offensive line is improving. Detroit looks like, especially in that division, where we don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Vikings might be pretty good next year. We don't really know what's going to happen. It's going to be ready to contend, at least not next season. I, I still think they're at least another year away. That, that I mean, uh, that Lions team could win 11, 11, 12 games next year and get into the playoffs as like a three, as a number three seed and go on a run. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm liking that Lions squad, especially with the two first round picks. It's almost like Philly. Philly gets to retool a Super Bowl roster with two with two first round picks and the and the and the number ten pick. Did I lose you guys? No, no, no. I, I thought you had something else to say after that. <laughs> oh no. Well, oh, yes, I, I, I think Detroit. I think Detroit will uh, hopefully, uh, you know, start gelling better offense, defense, both. But they also lost their their running back coach <clears throat> this year. Yeah. So, after this year, so it's a big. That's a big blow for their run game. Let's see what happens. You know, I, 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 I it's a little hard to be excited for Detroit. It's finally looking like they have a good squad. So, let's see what happens. No, I mean, it, it, it all kind of depends on what Green Bay does, honestly. I think if, if Rodgers is back, obviously they're they're going to be up there in the playoff line. I, I think he started to gel with his receivers towards the end of the year. Another year with them receivers, he's he's just going to be that much better. Uh, Minnesota kind of worries me still if they're going to – if they're going to be good or if they're going to be that shitty team, eight and eight type team. Um, so Detroit does have a shot to get up there uh, and make a run. Like I said, I, I think it still goes through green Bay and we'll, we'll just have to see if Aaron Rodgers is gone. If Aaron Rodgers is gone, I think Detroit makes the playoffs next year. If he's there, Detroit needs to, to get some, some big wins next year. Um, it's gonna be a little bit tougher for them to to get these wins, like uh, because they started slow this year, just like last year. They started slow and came on hot. They can't have that slow start to the season. If they do, then it's all it's all over for them. Yeah, but did, didn't Detroit beat Aaron Rodgers twice this year? Yeah, uh, that they did. <laughs> but the first but the first game wasn't. They didn't have all the receivers. They were all injured. Yeah. So, and then the last game, I don't think either. Oh, uh, no, Detroit kind of did put it to them. Their defense cuts a minute. Yeah. All right, so I want to get to, before we go on to some more things, I want to get to our QB bust bracket, which is finished, uh, before we do another tournament sometime down the line, another bracket. But Jamarcus Russell went for 10 outs. 61% of the votes. And Ryan Leaf went over Andre Ware with 92% of the votes. And then Ryan Leaf beat Demarcus Russell with 55% of the vote for the Q, for the title of biggest QB bust of all time. Ryan Leaf. Still, still the worst. So, that's it for the QB bust bracket. Not a lot of upsets. The final four was kind of who we thought it would be. There wasn't any surprises that made it in there. So, uh, Matt Leinart did go a lot further than I anticipated. But, yeah, not a lot of surprises there. Um, uh, before we kind of go on to UFC uh, and recap UFC, which I'm going to get to, I want to talk a little bit about some information I've been getting regarding the Big Ten scheduling. Um, uh, USC and UCLA will be joining the Big Ten for the 2024 season. So not uh, so next season, uh, not the 2023 season, but thereafter they will be joining the Big Ten. The Big Ten and has, don't don't forget about the don't forget the news that Oklahoma and Texas are also going to join the SEC. In 2024 now. Yep. They're going to pay $100 million to go there. Crazy. Yeah. 
So the Big Ten. Okay, go ahead. I just want to put that out. Yeah, the very first, the very first idea was a three-six-six schedule where they would each team would have three permanent crossover opponents. Then they would play six opponents for the nine-game schedule. Then they would rotate for the other six that they did not play the following season. That is still going to be the plan of three six six. Originally, the Big Ten schools submitted who they wanted their three protected crossover rivals to be, but due to the TV contract, the TV didn't. The TV networks that are going to be uh, hosting the majority of the Big Ten games did not like some of the projected uh, crossover opponents. So. They're going to have one locked-in crossover opponent and then two opponents that rotate every four years. So this is stemming from Ohio State had submitted for for their three locked-in opponents to be Michigan, USC, and Illinois. The networks wanted that Ohio State-Penn State game still instead of the Ohio State-Illinois game. But – that's a tough three crossover opponents if you're telling me you got to lock in USC, Michigan, and Penn State every year. So this is what the Big Ten has come up with. They'll have those other two opponents. So obviously Michigan's going to be the locked-in opponent for Ohio State. Then USC and Illinois will rotate every four years. And then they'll have two other opponents, so it might be Penn State and Michigan State. And it'll kind of rotate like that. Um, but from what I understand, it's it's four. They're not going to rotate every four years. And, like, so, for instance, Ohio State would never have, like, Purdue and Rutgers as its crossover opponents. Uh, from, a, from what I know, they'll have four locked-in opponents. So, for Ohio State, it's going to be Penn State, USC, Michigan State, and Illinois. And they'll rotate those other two every four years. And that's how the Big Ten is going to go. The Big Ten is going to do a nine-game conference schedule. You will no longer see in the future also these big non-conference games because the thought is the, the conference schedule is going to be difficult enough. So it will not surprise me one bit if if Ohio State, cancels their home-and-home with Texas and Alabama. So Ohio State has home-and-homes with Texas in 25-26, home-and-homes with Alabama in 27-28, and then home-and-home with Georgia, 2030-2031. I think Ohio State's going to play any of those games. I feel that by the time, by 2024-2025, or 2024 at least, there's going to be an announcement that Ohio State is getting out of the Texas games, or at least the Alabama game. I just don't see how, when you play a nine-game conference schedule, that could potentially look like this, guys. If you're Ohio State, no matter how good you are, if you play a nine-game conference schedule that consists of, let's just, for shits and giggles, uh, let's, let's say they play Purdue. Let's say they have to play Penn State. And uh, let's let's see here. Let's say they go um, obviously Michigan, and um, then you got to play. Let's say Maryland, uh, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, and Iowa. That's a hell of a nine-game conference schedule that you got to get through. And then and now, if you're going to schedule three games non-conference, and you're going to play, let's say Youngstown State, Kent State, and Texas. Why would you want to make your life even more difficult? No, I think I think you're right. I, I think they're going to get out of them games. It's just it's going to be way too much, and and but you ne- you never know, especially with that twelve playoff team. So even if they go, say they play a Georgia or they play an Alabama, and they have two or three losses at the end of the year, and they're all to top. 10 ranked teams, are you really going to keep them out of the, the playoffs? I guess it would depend, though, on what other teams do, right? So if Ohio yeah, State but, has... also, but also it depends on how they lose. If they lose, if they get blown out in all of them, 
Uh, no, they, there's yeah. no reason why they, to put them in. But if they if they lose by a field goal on uh, their the opponent's home turf, they're on the road. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think it, it's still feasible for them to make it. Well, let me give you a hypothetical on this. So for the 12-team playoff, we already know that the Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, and SEC champions is going to get an automatic bid. We know that. That's five That's five teams right there, okay? Now let's say – Let's let's say in your in your season where Ohio State's lost three games. Let's. I don't know who got all the noise there. I was going to mute them, but okay. Let's say in the season that Ohio State's lost three games. Okay. Let's say Michigan's your conference champion. Let's say hypothetically USC only loses one game. Let's say Wisconsin has two losses. And let's say Penn State has one, one or two losses. Ohio, and then let's say you go over to the SEC, and you got Alabama as your as your champion, but LSU has one loss. Uh, Florida has two losses. Georgia's got one loss. Uh, Tennessee's got two losses. All of a sudden, it's not looking great for Ohio State to get in. That area, guys. I don't know who's what's going on here, but whoever's going to respond to that. But, I guess yeah. I guess it's just me and you talking today. I was letting everybody else talk. No, no, no. I <laughs> mean, uh, look, you guys are the co- you guys are the college football experts, right? Including Joe. You guys are the college football guys, so run it. Sorry, I'm trying to do work uh, and and this at the same time today. Um, yeah. So Ohio State, Mike, you're saying they're in danger of not of not you know being where they were this year. Who? Who? Ohio State. Is that is that the last thing you were talking about? What? I don't know what you asked me just now. Okay, forget it. Let's just move on. Okay, I I didn't hear what you said. I I didn't understand what you he said, asked me. So sorry. You're you're a little bitch and you have a small dick. That's all I heard. Wow, thanks. Okay. Pretty much. <laughs> this is what I feel like every time I stop talking. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work. <laughs> Unlike some people, I, I can actually do a podcast and work at the same time. Yeah, that's a joke, son. Don't you get it? <laughs> what a bunch no. of dicks. All right, let's talk about UFC 284. Let's get to that shit. Jesus Christ, this show went off the fucking rails. Ah, uh, 284 UFC. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, guys. I haven't had a chance to watch, go back and watch the pay-per-view with it being Super Bowl Sunday. And then, uh, you know, watching the game last night, I haven't had a chance to go watch UFC 284. I know that there was a lot of controversy regarding the, the decision for Islam Makayev over, uh, uh, over, I can't even pronounce his fucking Alexander name. Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkan- yeah. Sam, I know you're a big UFC guy. Did you happen yep. to watch this fight? And, and can you give a little I bit did. of insight in into this championship fight. So I, I had I had I I had Volkanovski actually winning. So I thought he okay. took rounds two, three, and five. And in the fifth round, if it wasn't for the belt, he had he rocked Islam in the fifth pretty bad. And he was you know, working the ground and pound. But uh I, I think that he should have had his hand raised. Uh and I think that that would have been a really bad look for Islam because he's been touting himself as the number one pound for pound fighter for a while now, um, since pretty much uh, Habib uh, retired, he's you know even he's been saying that Islam's the best. So I don't know. I feel like it was kind of given to him, but I definitely think that he gave he that little that little short Australian dude Alex Volkanovski, bro. He gave him a run for his money in the fifth, yeah. and um, his cardio is better. 
That's that's the insane part. And the reason why his cardio is better is because Rokodashi used to be a rugby player. And you know you know how okay. rugby players are. They take hits, pads without anything, headgear, you whatever you want to call it. They they take hits like crazy. So, uh, it, you know, um, I think a f- another matchup with those two added again might might be a good matchup. But now he's lost his um, he's lost the uh, his featherweight because Josh Emmett um, and uh, Yair Rodriguez had an fight for the interim. And um, he's got to unify them if he wants the featherweight back. Okay. Okay. And 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 Yair looked pretty good last night, submitting Josh Emmett with a triangle choke in the second round. So that should be a hell of a fight if they make that happen down the line. I think uh, one forty-five and one fifty-five for featherweight and lightweight both yeah. are uh, you know uh, of the best divisions right now in the UFC. The most exciting. So, yeah, everybody's going to be looking forward to UFC 285. That's the return of John Jones. He'll be playing, he'll be fighting Cyril Gain. It should be Francis, you know, uh, and Ganu. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, he's no longer part of the UFC. Uh, I don't know, though. Looking at the undercard for UFC 285, it's not, there's not a lot of names. Like, I, now, Sorry, UFC fans and fight fans. I'm going to tell you right now, I used to watch this sport a lot from, like, 2003 to, like, 2012. I paid a lot of attention to it. Uh, The last couple years, I haven't paid that much attention to it. But I don't know who a lot of these people are, like Bo Nickel, Jamie Pickett, Derek Brunson, Jeff Neal. I've not heard of a lot of these people, uh, and is that just me, or do you, do you guys are you guys very familiar with who these people are? I'm not familiar with a lot of those names either, and I watch it like okay. I, I know who the up and coming guys are, but attention to the top five in each division, really. And you know, um, yeah. and you know, some of these undercards. See that I think that's the problem that UFC is going to have. Like once some of their marquee stars are not available, they don't have enough star power to kind of beef up that card. In the past, they were able to do right. that. They had legends fighting, yeah. you know, in the past. Your yeah. undercard could actually be better than your actual your, your, your championship fight, you know. Uh, there was a lot of GSP fights that went five rounds that everyone was sleeping uh, by the fifth round for because it just went to a decision. Yeah. And the undercard was actually more exciting than the actual uh, championship fight. So, um, well, I mean, uh, I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, um, so what I'm saying is that, like, pretty much, like, UFC probably, as, you know, other organizations now are coming into the mix, they need to do better at retaining some of their good talent. Dana White yeah. can't just be like, oh, well, if you want to go, just go now. I don't think he can afford to do that anymore. I, I don't think you're wrong there at all. I mean, honestly, and what you used to, what you were saying about the undercard fights, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some. This is back. This is a while ago. This is UFC 160. Okay, this is back in 2013. So this is uh, ten years ago. Let me give you this card though. Cain Velasquez versus Antonio Silva uh, uh, versus Antonio Silva. Junior Dos Santos, Mark Hunt, Glover Teixeira against James Tejuna. T.J. Grant against Gray Menard, Donald Cerrone against K.J. Nunes, and then on the preliminary card, this wasn't even the, this wasn't even the, this wasn't on the pay per view. You had Khabib, no, uh, Khabib fighting on the preliminary card, along with uh, Max Holloway, Rick Story, and Mike Pyle. Yeah, that's that undercard, that undercard, that's a crazy undercard right there. I mean, that's a free fight. Those are free fights. So, like, you're not even yeah, those the are the free fights. This is this is even before. Yes, yeah. yeah. those are the preliminary fights. Yes, yeah. what what you're saying is true, Sam. The UFC roster, as far as names and star power, is not as deep as it was ten to twelve years ago. See, if they started poaching some fighters, I, I feel like it's a, a little bit like WWE in the sense where now you have another stronger uh, organization that's, that's booking good fights. If they poach some of their 
fighters back, I think they they could right the ship a bit. But like letting Francis Ngannou go, uh, I think that was yeah. not a smart decision at all. That's his. That's his. That's his, that's, his, that's Dana White's marquee. One of his marquee heavyweights. You know, but the best. Yep. You know, outside of Stephen Mitchich, um, I would say he was right there, if not better. But like, you know, he couldn't. You know, once these guys, older guys, start retiring. Daniel Cormier retired, you know. The older guys retire. He doesn't have the younger guys to, to bolster. Patty, I mean, okay, sure. I like, Maybe. I like Patty, Pem, Pem, you know, uh, what is it, Pembleton? Is that his name? But uh, Pimlet, Pimlet. I, I don't know, yeah. man. I there used, There was a time, and this was, you know, obviously this was about 15 years ago, but the time around uh, when UFC 100 came around, when you had guys like Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, and Brock Lesnar, and Dan Henderson all fighting. Like, and even John Jones was coming up in, in, in that time, in 2000, 2009, 2010. And now it's just, uh, I, I think the UFC is doing a poor job of marketing new fighters. I, I think people know the names. And I, Josh, Joe, feel free to weigh in. I don't know how much you guys watch UFC anymore, but yeah, looking at like some of these undercards, I just I don't I'm not familiar with a lot of these people at all. No, I, mean, I haven't really watched I'm... UFC at all since uh, you you got you got married and you had you had, uh, got locked down. Wow. So. Wow. Okay. Then. No, this is this is before. Shreya too. When he when he when he got a girlfriend, I that that girl's not allowed being mentioned at all. But when that happened, we just kind of all fell out and quit hanging out because he got he got whipped. Wait a second. Wait a second. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hold on now. Let's pause. <laughs> I remember hosting several events when I was with the plots that shall not be mentioned. And even still being married with kids, I, you know, yes, that we don't all get together for fights at all. I haven't seen you host any fight nights. And, and I, where's my invites been? That must have gotten lost in the mail. That's <laughs> because I, I only watch UFC with you. Boxing I would do. I, I mean, I rented the, the Mayweather uh, yeah. McGregor fight. I invited you there. And you, you didn't come. So, <laughs> wow. Just saying. Oh, here we go. Don't you get it? <laughs> here we go. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, you know what, Josh? I'll have a UFC fight night over at the house. I will host one. When, maybe UFC 286. Okay? Maybe UFC 286. That is Usman versus Edwards. Uh, Justin, uh, Justin, uh, Gacy is fighting on that. So is Gunnar Nelson. Uh, that's a pretty good card. Uh, but there's no good boxing matches either because right now, you know what's sad, guys? On the ESPN boxing, uh, website where they talk about notable fights coming up, right? The schedule coming up and they have under there key dates. The fucking Tyson Fury Jake Paul fight is on there as a key date. It's on the, it's an ESPN pay per view. There's no fucking way that Tommy Fury, sorry Tommy Fury, not Tyson Fury, Tommy Fury Jake Paul fight is gonna. That doesn't interest me in the fucking least bit at all. And no, I just, I kind of just want to see Jake Paul get his ass whooped. That's if that happens, man. Yeah, I know. You know, now, I mean, I'm getting kind of scared because this guy didn't show up. This guy didn't show up to, for a couple of like you know PR events. He, I think he's afraid. I think he's. I don't think it's uh, like boxing. I think it's a mental thing now. You know, where now it's like do or die from literally. If he loses to Jake Paul, it's over for his career. His dad said it. His brother said it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I. I I still don't buy Jake Paul as a legitimate boxer. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Not not when you but have see, Tommy it. Fury. Tommy Fury is also not a legitimate boxer either, right? You're right. Technically, You're right. He has not, so little fights. He has not, so little fights under his belt that it doesn't really even count. Um, honestly, no. he's got the chops. He comes from a family fighting family, but that's it. No, you're right. He he's only fought eight times, eight boxing matches. He's eight no, but he hasn't fought anybody of note. No, none of the people I would name off of his fight uh, career you've ever heard of. He's got to embarrass them. I think I don't know if that's going to happen. I but I want to see Jake Paul fight. I, I'm not saying he's got to fight a Canelo Alvarez because he's going to get mopped in a fight like that, right? But I would like to at least see him fight someone who's maybe a has-been boxer. He's, he's fighting all these years. Or like a gatekeeper type of guy, right? Someone, someone that, 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 that welcomes new talent into that weight class, right? Maybe a gatekeeper yeah. type of dude. Someone that's got 20-plus right. fights under his belt. Exactly. And, and, and I don't know what Jake, fight, Jake uh, Paul's going to fight at, maybe a light heavyweight, but um, – I, he's got to fight somebody. And like I said, it doesn't have to be like the best of the best. Give me someone that, like you said, uh, Sam, someone that's that fought a little bit. Hell, I would even take this right now. Roy Jones Jr., even though he's old as shit. I think he's, you know, Roy Jones Jr. is 54 years old. I would fucking take that fight. No, man, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I don't think he has the cardio. I don't think he has the cardio to keep up all those rounds, man. Yeah. He was huffing and puffing after that Tyson fight, man. He was huffing. Roy Jones is fighting fucking Anthony Pettis, though, on April 1st. Yeah. that Again, that's another ridiculous fucking matchup, if you ask me. Anthony Pettis is such a has-been. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I I don't know, man. And it's it's actually Jorge Masvidal's. It's it's Jorge Masvidal's promotion that's setting it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit, man! All right, we got about a minute thirty to go, guys. Uh, Josh, why don't you talk to me about some WWE news and rumors that you've been hearing as we end the show? My boys at Raw tonight. My boys at Raw tonight at Barclays. Oh, nice. Who's that? Nice. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, the, I think the biggest storyline right now is, is the whole Sami Zayn Roman Reigns. Uh, fight at uh, the Elimination Chamber. This this yeah. match kind of feels like that whole Daniel Bryan Royal Rumble uh, snub a few years ago where they had Batista win to go face Randy Orton, and then they ended up including uh, Sami Zayn. It, it was kind of neat on the Monday Night Raw before that Cody Rhodes actually acknowledged it. Like, oh, you guys want to see Sami Zayn? Versus Cody Rhodes, like I don't really care. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to WrestleMania. I'm fighting the t- the champ. It doesn't matter who yeah. wins. Um, but for them just to mention that, I mean, that's how much the fans are behind Sami Zayn, and it's fucking awesome. The man deserves it. He's yeah. a great talent. He was underused for such a long time, and I, I'm just finally glad they're giving him his shot to shine. And he's done a fantastic job out of his role. Uh, what I would like to see is, I mean, the rumor is it's going to be KO and Sami Zayn versus the Usos at WrestleMania. Uh, and then, obviously, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. My personal opinion, scrap them. Uh, you need to break the belts up. Break the belts up. Yeah. Have, have Jay interfere somehow and cost uh, – Roman Reigns that match at Elimination Chamber. Have him, have him cheat for Sammy to win, and then you could set up uh, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, and, and that would be a marquee match. And then you have Sami Zayn fight uh, whoever at, at WrestleMania for the title, and then you have Cody Rhodes uh, face Roman Reigns for the other title. That way yeah. you, you can have Roman Reigns fight on both nights if you want to. One is a grudge match. One is the title. Have Sami Zayn come out, wrestle for a title against somebody. Maybe he faces Jimmy or uh, Solo, you know. You still have that bloodline yeah. fight. It'll be more exciting for the fans instead of the, the known, okay, 
we've already known what we were going to do for months and months, and we've already handed out it, and all the fans have already guessed all the matches. And that's what it is. There's no yeah. no mystery anymore behind WWE, and, and I think that's kind of where they're lacking in a lot of their storylines is the mystery anymore. We already know what's going to happen before it happens. Right. So, With a lot um, of the excitement now. Yeah. Um, the women's championship, uh, I think Bianca Belair gets beat in her match. Um, I think Rhea Ripley beats Charlotte uh, to get okay. her crowning moment. Uh, Elimination Chamber, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't excite me like it used to. Uh, I'm already looking past it. It's just not even on my radar. The only match I'd want to see is Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn just to see how they do it. Right. So, right. Um, uh, AEW, it sounds like uh, CM Punk's been throwing out a, a few hints that he's ready to possibly make amends. So, okay. that's uh, that's kind of interesting. Is he is he going to come back to AEW now because AEW's not going to – give him his release that he wants or is uh, yeah. the release with uh, I can't go work for someone else for the non-complete clause for 90 days or whatnot. Yeah. So it, it seems like he sent a tweet out and, and there's speculation that he might be coming back to AEW once he's uh, healthy, which should be three more months, two, three more months. He should be healthy enough to, to come back and start running uh, promos and all that stuff. So, uh, it'll be interesting. I think he wants a paycheck, man. He wants a paycheck. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and me and Mike were talking about that earlier. It's just, AEW just kind of got bland. I I think they made a huge mistake with MJF on on keeping him as a heel. I liked him in that role is that, that tween, the tween between the, the heel and the face. I think that's a perfect area to put him in. And, they just kind of ruined it and made him go back heel. Because um, he was fun to root for. He was fun to listen to his promos, and now it's it's pretty bad. Uh, but uh, apparently there was a rumor that the promo that he did on Wednesday night, people yeah. were calling the police for the, the suspected crime. Come on, fucking people. It's a fucking script. He's fucking. Uh, at what point will people script. finally understand that it, it's all scripted out? Are there are some people that still believe it's real, bro. I can't right. believe that. <laughs> it's not fucking real. It's a fucking soap so opera for men. That's what I think is. we had this conversation, Mike. Like, how did you feel when you realized the whole thing was scripted? Like, were you kind of let down, or were you like, "Oh, screw it, I'm still gonna watch it." No, I was like, I always knew that it was scripted, dude. My dad told me that shit when I was eight years old. Like, he's like, yeah, the the action is real, and the athletes are real, but the finish is all predetermined. Right, but prior to him telling you, you thought it it, it could be possibly real, no? No. When I was, when uh, okay, I was you never kid, saw it as real. Like, okay, I saw it as real until I found out it was scripted, and I was like, oh, that sucks, but that's cool. I'm still going to watch it. Wrestling yeah, yeah I, I was the same way, Sam. Like, I, I thought I, I, The Undertaker was actually dead because he, he came out of the coffin. And, bro, I'm telling you, I, at that age, I was like, holy shit, this is real. Like, this has to wait, be real. This wrestling's is not real? Yeah, and then when I found out, it's like, oh, okay, but I'll still yeah. watch it. It's, it's, pretty, it's still pretty freaking cool. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, wrestling's guys, not real? Thanks, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Um, he was like, I'm what did you say? The Vegas just released their updated their Super Bowl odds for next season, and um, I can't believe this shit anymore. But obviously, Kansas City's the favorite at plus six hundred. You know who has the second best odds? Buffalo. The fucking Buffalo Bills. Get the fuck out of here. At plus 700. The Bills have better odds than not only the Bengals, but the Niners and the Eagles. 
The Bills Everybody's are such a trap. Nuts, baby. It's such a it's such a trap, dude. That's like that's getting the gamblers that are Buffalo Bills fans. They're like, oh shit, we got plus seven hundred. Oh shit, oh shit, let's put our fucking money in now. Right. Fucking shit. I just can't believe it. But anyways, that's all the time we have. We'll be back at it again on Friday. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll have to start getting creative with our material now that football season's over. So uh, take care, everybody. We'll be back at it on Football's Friday. Football's over? <laughs> we cover all we things. We can read a lot of, of, of browsing history back on, on, on our browsers. Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it. Always our response is amazing. All bases covered. Yeah, yeah, you know you love